0: All right. Good morning, everyone. This is Scott Young from Optics Engineering. And of course, I have with me Sean Sturby, our Technical Services Manager. And this is another edition of the Optrix Insider. I think this is episode 14. So wow, these are rolling by nicely. All right. So we have three main topics and then a bonus for you at the end. Uh, the first one is Intel had a data leak. Uh, There is the meow attack, as in a cat meow. Uh, Emotet Trojan is still going strong. And as your bonus, there is a bug in Zoom that you probably, if you're using Zoom, want to be aware of. All right, so let's start, Sean, with the Intel data leak.
1: So uh, on Twitter, it was posted that a 20 gigabyte folder of confidential information or intellectual property from Intel had been leaked or released. it was an anonymous source, Morse is coming soon, and Intel's take on it was that this was uh, somebody who had access to a, a database or source of information for partners. So, you know, all the motherboard manufacturers, they need to know about the upcoming processors so that when the processor is released, they can release their motherboards and have all of the features. It's the information that they use to make the products that we end up using in our desktops and laptops somebody has abused their access to this or somebody has gotten access to this through social engineering and has released uh, 20 gigabytes of this information Uh, the list of the documents do correlate to the information posted online and to this uh, database Uh, the twitter leaker also said it would be interesting to search through this for the term backdoor Uh, nobody's actually found a backdoor but they have found you know we've got to make sure that there is no backdoor we've got to harden up this code so that it can't be used as a backdoor but it's definitely a an issue that they were being aware of
0: so bad way to wake up after the weekend (laughs) to find this Yes. Oh, Great. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about the meow attack.
1: Yeah. So it's called the meow attack because uh, somebody has gone after open databases. And instead of locking them up or holding them for ransom, what they've been doing is they've been effectively deleting the database and replacing them with one named something random.meow or dash meow this is a follow-up to a previous topic that we talked about that ufo vpn they were one of the ones that were attacked by this Uh, it started with a fairly small number 1200 or 1800 now it's over 3000 and uh bleeping computer a week or so ago said that they uh, used shodan to search for databases that had an entry matching meow And we're finding 3,800 at that time. So it's probably gone up since. Usually the internet is all about the cats, but in this case, (laughs) it's all about the
0: meow. Yeah, and databases are integral for all sorts of things. Uh, As everyone knows, they drive websites, especially if you're using something like a content management system like WordPress, WordPress. internal systems your crm Mm -hmm. most likely uses it everything uses databases so um yeah that's why you would definitely want duplicates and backups and because one day you could come to work and there is no databases replaced with this meow and uh, you'll find that nothing works properly (laughs) so
1: you definitely want to secure your databases and make sure that only the people in places that need access to them have access
0: right yikes Okay, so the Emotet Trojan is something that's been around for a while, and it just doesn't want to die.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, this was in Spiceworks Community that uh, the Emotet Trojan is now six years old. It's been around for six years. And in 2020, it sprung back to life. Uh, and this surprised me. I've We've done spam filtering for companies and that for many, many years, but... Earlier in 2020, the Emotet malware delivered almost 2 million phishing emails. In July, another campaign launched with a quarter of a million phishing emails, and it was mainly to the users in the U.S. and the U.K. So the uh, U.S. cert has released a, a warning about this, that A, it's still going strong, and they're coming out. But they've also got a lot of good recommendations to defend against malware, not just Emotet, but all malware. So layer eight, i.e. the human factor is gonna be the only thing that's ultimately going to stop if you get one of these emails. Do you have a policy regarding suspicious emails? I know around here at our office, on a weekly basis, I will receive a a link to an email or some details on an email and somebody will be saying, "Uh, this doesn't look legit. Can you confirm or deny? So we'll go and we'll analyze it a little more and go, yeah, while it says it comes from university XYZ, that's not their domain. That might be the name of the right person, but it doesn't look correct because this person wouldn't, when you hit reply to, it goes back to a Gmail account or a Microsoft Outlook account, so have training on social engineering and phishing, Uh, block attachments, implement proper firewall rules and antivirus and filters. And adhere to the, this one's I like, the principle of least privilege. Malware wants to get on your computer. And if you're on your computer as just a regular user, when it launches, all it can do is launches you as a user unless it's taking advantage of a zero day and tries to elevate its privileges so even here at the office the computer that i use as a network administrator i log in just as a regular user
0: that way it, um, and to be clear um, we have it set up that only network admins with the proper passwords can install anything on anybody's computer so if it's trying to Correct. install then then the mere fact that they try to install using your personal credentials which don't have the right level to be able to install something should hopefully help block it now in terms of, of uh, social engineering training we always recommend no before and if that's something that uh, that interests you you can certainly get in touch with us and we can talk to you about it uh, Another thing that we're uh t- starting uh to implement or something to, to consider is um, integrating a, a endpoint protection that works with also your firewall. Panda uh, P- uh, Panda as well uh, now are uh, integrated with WatchGuard. So if somebody still clicks, despite everything, somebody clicks a link they shouldn't, then at least my understanding is that the firewall will recognize it and segregate that computer from the rest of the network so it doesn't spread. Correct, yes. So, socialists does something similar with their firewall endpoint protection mm-hmm.
1: and fortinet does something similar with their um, fabric security fabric right So,
0: and, definite, and I know go ahead
1: now that you definitely don't want to rely on just a firewall and classic scanning AV anymore
0: right now uh, another case in point where um, where there was an email that looked legit. Uh, we had a vendor who sent us some financial uh, data that we were expecting it, but they uh, on a specific day around a specific time. And and to me, it looked like they had changed the way they did it. Uh, of course, my ears pricked up and, and uh, I did two things. One is I forwarded a copy of that email to Sean and say, does this look legit to you? And then I also emailed the vendor to say, hey, are you changing the way that you're doing uh, you're sending your your reports, and they they came back and said no, that's not us. And then you you had a look at it, if I remember correctly, and said yeah, it's pretty nasty. So good thing yep. you didn't good thing you didn't uh, look on it. Click on it. So yeah, if something has changed in the way in something that you're expecting, check on it first because uh, it's better to check and be be wrong that uh, it was legit rephrase that uh, I'd rather make the mistake of saying, checking on something that uh, actually was legit than clicking it and then finding out it wasn't. Uh, those crazy hackers. Okay, so let's talk about the, the final the bonus. You said that there was a Zoom bug.
1: Yeah, it's not something that anybody running Zoom needs to worry about. Uh, what it was is that Zoom by default changed so that they were going to p- protect every new meeting. If you didn't have a password already, they were going to force one. And to make it easy, they create a very hard alphanumeric password. And then for people who are on their cell phones and that, they include a six digit security password or pin. And so, you know, six uh, six characters is, is a lot better than the four character pin that most people use on their bank card. So you think it would be secure. Well, the problem was that the when you went to type in the password, the six-digit PIN, you weren't limited to how many attempts you could do. So uh, we remember the Zoom bombing where when people didn't have a password, other people would join their meeting and you know take over or play wrong audio or interrupt the meeting or do all sorts of things. Well, even with the six-digit password in place, computers can go through all six digits very quickly and so it only took a matter of minutes to gain access to an ongoing uh, zoom meeting so zoom has already fixed the bug they've rate limited how quickly you can type in that password if you can do it like a human and only do a few attempts in a minute you get in but if you try and do uh, one million passwords in two or three minutes they're going to stop you
0: well that's good Uh, I don't think there's anybody who could match that speed that's I know some
1: kids can text very fast but
0: yeah (laughs) that's a little much interesting well okay well the the world and the internet and security continues to be very interesting well uh, anything else you wanted to add there Sean or does that cover it pretty well
1: Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, we talked about phishing and, you know, people's passwords being exposed. The uh, have I been pond database has been run by Troy hunt as a volunteer operation for many, many years. He is uh, released or is notified the community that he is open sourcing the code base behind it. And he's got quite a nice little article on his blog about why he's doing it. So the, the uh, problem is he's a one man shop and if he goes and does something else well then he is going to this very valuable service that a lot of companies are using are going to be you know, go by the wayside uh, we talked a couple of weeks back about the watchguard uh, beta service that was very similar give you a report on the dark web uh, wherever your credentials or your emails been uh, revealed. So it's a two part thing. There's the code that runs the website that allows him to both import and analyze all of the releases, and then the other half is that 10 billion records. So he's going to do it very cautiously, very carefully, very safely, and in a very wonderful way. We're going to have the Have I Been Pond service around for many, many years, even if Troy is unable to maintain it by himself.
0: Hmm. Interesting, well, that's good on him. It's a useful service. Right on. Okay, well, thanks, Sean. I think that covers it for this week. Got a couple bonuses uh, in there. Uh, As always, if Mm -hmm. you enjoyed the content, uh, please like, share, and subscribe, as well as if you have a question or you want to talk, there's a topic you'd like to cover, please uh, leave uh, those in the comments below. So thanks again, Sean. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.